When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Am I hallucinating? (laughs) No, this is the media for you. Now, all morning long, all day long, it's been the Alex Murdoch. Murdoch. I don't know, the weird redhead guy from South Carolina, his murder trial. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know what's going on. It's always been in the background. This is how silly and foolish and weird our country is. Every single network is taking this nonsense live. Gavel-gavel coverage of some guy who's alleged to have, I guess, killed his wife and son. Uh, I hate to say it, but uh, this happens every day in America, right? People kill people all the time. Why this one case? Why? Why this? What's so fascinating about it? Well, what is so? Fa- I, I, I I just don't. Uh, I don't see it. He's not famous. It's not like it's O.J. Simpson. It's not. Uh, who cares? You got about a thousand homicides. How many? Uh, the, the New York City. You got a bunch every day. Um. And this one, all right, all right, fine. Maybe, maybe it's interesting. I turned up the volume while I was in my office. Okay, well, what is the fuss? You want to hear what they're talking about? All right, this guy's on trial for his life. He's um, he's 53 years old, although he looks a lot older. He's accused of murdering his wife and son. Uh, so I'm like, all right, it's on all networks. Let's see what all the fuss is about. And here, just randomly turned it on, and this is what they were talking about. Cut 40, please. Cut 40. And when you got down to the kennels, what was happening? Uh, It's just what I thought it was. Um, It was a little bit of chaos. I mean, it was clear to me that uh, Mags had just let the dogs out. Um, The two dogs that were out were really her pet dogs. One is Grady. You've heard about a black lab. That's Grady. That's Buster's dog. And the other is the yellow lab that you've heard about. That's Bubba. Uh, Bubba was mine and Maggie's dog, but it was really mine, Maggie's, Bus, and Pawpaw's dog. It was a family dog. Um, But Bubba's the dog I hunted. Um, I mean, Maggie loved Bubba. She loved Grady, too, but, I mean, she had a special place for Bubba. But anyway. Hold on a second. Now watch this. They're about to start talking. It's going to get even more interesting when the chickens get involved. All right, keep going. First were let out. The first thing they would do is they would run. If you look at the overhead um, picture that you've seen, there were planted pines right behind the kennels. So you got the kennels and the the chicken coop sort of form an L shape. And in, in that L with some planted pines. First thing the dogs would do is go out in that um, kennel and, you know, Bubba <laughs> I'm sorry. And, 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 and 
Grady, I think, learned this from Bubba, but Grady would do it too. But Bubba had to mark every tree. I mean, he, he, he would go and he'd do a little number on this tree and that tree. You know how dogs do, and it's marking his territory. All right. I mean, um, this, I mean, it, come on. Beverly Hillbillies, this, I thought this was supposed to be a high-class family from South Carolina. Right? That was why it was so interesting. Blue Bloods. These are Blue Bloods. These are, this is South Carolina royalty. And this is an attorney, and he's the descendant of this uh, aristocrat. And uh, <laughs> uh, Wait, I, I'm pretty sure they're getting up to the part where the chickens uh, get involved. Keep going. So that was the first thing those dogs did when they came out. When I got there, those dogs were in that area. So that's why I believe that it hadn't been long before they'd been let out. Um, Grady was chasing guineas, um, which was a normal thing to do. What, what are guineas? Uh, guinea fowl is a, a guinea fowl is like um, it's like a chicken. It's a domestic bird that you know we had them. I, they make a lot of racket. It's like a, you know, I know this sounds silly, but it's like a, a guard bird. Um, because anytime, you know, they just make a lot of racket anytime anything unusual is going on. If anything, if anything disturbs them, it could be a person, it could be somebody driving up, whatever, they're going to make a lot of racket. So um, Grady's chasing the game. This is a murder trial, oh, by the way. <laughs> this is, uh, I can never, ever, ever serve on a jury. If they go into this kind of detail, um, where's my phone? Where's the exit? I got to go to the bathroom. I can't take any more. I can't. Who could ever sit through this stuff? Grady and the bird and the dog and the, uh, just cut to the chase. I mean, this, I know, there's a little bit more. I think the chickens get involved now, right? Um, you know, Paul's fooling with, um, Rogan's dog cash. Um, Maggie's just kind of standing there watching the dogs, which is normal. And, and they were in that place. As, as the dogs are out longer, they branch out more. Um, but at that point in time, they were, they were right there. So that told me they hadn't been out um, a long time. Bubba, Bubba <laughs> catches a chicken. Yeah! Um, I'm talking to Maggie for just... You know, a short time before Bubba catches a chicken. All right. I take the chicken, put it. When Bubba, what Bubba the? didn't chase, these dogs didn't chase the chickens to kill them. And they didn't normally kill huh? them. They did kill them sometimes, but it was about the chase with those dogs. And, huh. and, and they were proud when they caught one. You could just tell by the way Bubba would prance to you when he brought chicken to you. He was proud that he had caught it. But he wasn't trying to kill it. And so All right. most now, times- wait, but you got to remember, this is live on CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. We're taking this live. Everybody, right? Listening to Bubba and the chicken and the... And the- <laughs> Uh, I mean, I've heard of hillbillies, but this is crazy. Who the hell lives like this? Who who are these people? Look, I understand. There's country life. I'm a city slicker, more or less. I grew up in the suburbs. This is foreign to me. I know people do this kind of stuff, and that's fine. But to have it on national television, these are strangers. Hey, I'm told that there's really wild stuff going on in the world, right? War in Ukraine, East Palestine, the environmental disaster there, crime, they're trying to molest our children, trying to get them to change gender. 
and this is what's on the TV? Chicken wasn't dead, and that chicken wasn't dead. Um, but a lot of times they would be stunned, and they would be just real lethargic. So you had to take the chicken, and you had to put it up somewhere where, you know, the chicken could be by itself for a minute. And- of course. Oh, of course. I totally understand. And it would eventually, usually, you know, come back to normal and go on about its, you know, whatever chicken does. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, uh, what the hell kind of country is this, huh? Can you imagine any country in the world, live coverage on all the networks, every single one of them on that? Could you imagine Sweden doing that? Could you imagine France? Uh, I mean, I know true crime is interesting. And there are places to go if you're interested in that stuff. But national television, in this moment, in this time, in this precarious... Wow. Alex Murdoff with the... Who cares? I mean, I don't want anybody to be killed. It's a tragedy, but... Quite frankly, who cares if this guy did it or if he didn't do it? I mean, all right, I can see it being interested in the Manson family. Wow. I mean, that was crazy. Blood on the walls. They did it to satisfy some weirdo, Charlie Manson. All right, yeah, I would watch that trial. That's 50 years ago now. I missed it. But this? Is there any more? There's a little bit more. No? But you're their prompt suspect. Oh, wait a second. Hold on. This is the live trial right now. This is happening now. Maybe it got more interesting. Mr. Griffin. I'll, I'll rephrase it. At the, at, by the conclusion of the meeting, had, did they make it known to you that, that you were suspect? Oh, there's no question about that. All right. So, all right. I look. I guess I can't be doing what I'm. A, I'm a complaining. Uh, everybody else is doing carrying this trial live. <laughs> I just. I can't. Um, well, I don't care. I'm sorry. I, I. I just. I've got my own problems. The country has its own problems. You're on your own. You got your lawyer. You got the prosecutors. Figure it out. Let me know. Let us know. It's on all the damn channels right now. Am I missing something? What is the? I don't know. I. O.J. Simpson, I actually remember that case. I actually enjoyed watching it. I actually enjoyed it. I sprained my ankle just before the trial started, so I watched a lot of that trial. It's interesting. I know more about that trial than some of the witnesses. Seriously, I remember watching. I actually watched the pretrial hearings, and then I watched the trial itself, and then I remembered what the witnesses said in the pretrial, and I'm like, wait a second. They just said something that they didn't say in the that contradicts what they said in the pretrial. And the lawyer would be like, didn't you say? I'm like, I felt very, very involved in that case. How? By the way, tonight I'm going to have uh, Dershowitz, um, Professor Dershowitz, Alan Dershowitz on the show, who was involved in the O.J. Simpson defense. Here's what I, eh, never mind. Um, hey, wasn't it great what Trump did? Pete Buttigieg is following up. He's actually pretending that he cares now. He's very awkward, Pete Buttigieg, in East Palestine. He's surrounded by white construction workers. You know how he feels about white construction workers. He doesn't like them. Uh, But here's Trump a little bit in uh, Ohio, in that aftermath, a disaster. Now that he's there, everyone's going. Good for him. He leads. Once again, Trump leads. Got 20. 
They're happy. They're happy. He's the, he's the biggest celebrity in the world coming to East Palestine. Joe Biden is a passenger in his own country. Uh, let's see here. Then he goes to the McDonald's, cut 22. Hello, everybody. That's a nice, beautiful-looking group of people. So I know this menu better than you do. Okay? I probably know it. <laughs> he loves McDonald's, kind of like me. I uh, I love McDonald's. And you can go to McDonald's and actually do okay. What I do is I actually remove the bun. I remove the bun, and I can eat all the meat I want. Uh, let's see. Some woman gets a little attitudinal with him and says, what are you doing here? And listen to his answer. It's great. Cut 23. Why are you visiting today? Huh? Why are you visiting today? Well, we brought a lot of people with us, and more importantly, we brought the federal government with us because uh, when they heard I was coming, they all came. They weren't going to come. They were going to leave you abandoned, and now they're not. Uh, he's right. They followed his lead. Uh, and they see, gosh, this guy's got a, the master touch. He's so good. He genuinely likes people. Remember the big thing that's different about Trump? He ran for president to do stuff, not to be something. And Pete Buttigieg, uh, uh, Joe Biden. Joe Biden went into politics to be something. He wanted to be a big shot. Living life, he couldn't become a big shot. And by the way, did you see the fall? He took a terrible, terrible tumble going up on Air Force One. And I warned him about this all the way back. Get this. I'm going to play you a clip. It's me in February, February of 2021. He's been president for a month, but he's already showing off and he's running around too much. And he took a little trip, a little trip getting onto Air Force One the day I said what I'm about to play you. And I knew that it was going to be catastrophic if he kept it up. And it has been. The man is going to kill himself. He's 80. You can't be running around when you're prone to falling. Anytime a, an 80-year-old falls, it's like a big deal. So I told him to slow it down. And unfortunately, he didn't. Let, all your silly advisors, Ron Klain, everybody who surrounds you, did they ever talk to you like this? I wish they had. Cut 32. When you're the man, everybody's looking and watching. And I've noticed something about you. And actually, from the heart, sir, this is sincere. It concerns me. Uh, you're taking those stairs a little bit too fast. This whole running thing, this whole trying to convince everybody that you're a man of vitality. I've seen you run down ramps, run on stage, run off stage. Uh, it's going to catch up with you. And we're starting to see it. Take it easy. Slow down. He didn't listen. Mm. You never know where you're going to find friends, Joe Biden, huh? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I was more honest and direct with you than, than your entire team. I'll try it again. Slow down. You're going to kill yourself. Compound fracture. How does that sound? The bone sticking out of the skin. I don't want that to happen to you. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Well, the same media culture that just told you Alex Murdoff is the uh, biggest story in the world right now. We all got to stop and uh, watch him talk about Jethro and Bubba the dog. That was um, is telling us also that uh, the phone call Donald Trump had with uh, Raffensperger and those uh, Georgia yahoos down there, that that was the worst thing in the world. 
Um, they are lying, of course, and it's kind of scary, though. Everybody is in on the lie. I mean, everybody. And law firms, big law firms, you can't get quality lawyers to uh, go to MAGA world. They won't. Not because they don't necessarily believe in the cause, but they're scared. Uh, big clients, they, they made January 6th such a thing, such a big thing, such a big toxic thing that if they in any way can associate you with January 6th. That is, that's their game. They aren't like us. We understand that, we understand January 6th is what it is. They don't. They haven't thought about it as much as we, and uh, they are easily intimidated. Now, wait, just before we go to break, Bob, I am curious what you think about the, you're telling me the Murdoch trial is a big deal and I should care? Yes. I don't. five... There's five dead bodies. Oh, my gosh. Five, five, five. Hey, hey, (laughs) you know how many we have in a day? Uh, I don't know, but it's a lot more than five. I mean, I just, again, what? maybe he's a serial killer. All right, fine. Live coverage all day long, five bodies. By the way, I think he's he's just charged with killing two at this point, right? He's, yes, his one son killed a, a girl in a boating accident. He right. was drunk and hit a bridge. Well, listen, the I think son, I think you should be able to go to Court TV and knock yourself out with this coverage. But for the rest of us, I mean, how can the media, how can they even pretend that they're responsible and that they care about anything if they're going to run this thing 24-7 or at least right now? I don't know. Bob, you think that's a community service? Uh, I think part of the interest in this is there is a Netflix film about the whole incident. All right, Netflix, Netflix, Netflix. I am so over Netflix as well. You know, do me a favor. Cancel Netflix and live your life, all right? Uh, I did not cancel Netflix. My wife needs to see The Crown, um, which is not bad. All right, do me a favor. We'll be right back with a special in-house guest and an important book you should read. I like this guy a lot. I'll be right back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, uh, there is a new book. And it is required reading for us serious critics of the media, all right? It's called Uncovered, How the Media Got Cozy with Power, Abandoned Its Principles, and Lost the People. Wow, you can say that again, by Steve Krakauer. Uh, Steve is a very thoughtful guy. He is a journalist and media critic who has worked for CNN, Fox News, NBC, and The Blaze. Uh, he's actually the executive producer of the Megyn Kelly TV show. Anyway, Steve Krakauer is in the studio with his book. Steve, thank you very much. How are you? Greg, thanks for, for having me on. I, I'm I'm uh, really looking forward to it. Steve, so thank you. This is uh, I'm, I'm excited about the book, How the Media Got Cozy with Power, Abandoned Its Principles. Where do we start? Yeah. How did they lose the people? Well, and they certainly lost it. We see poll after poll, just the most recent Gallup poll, record low numbers in trust in the media by the public. And I, I think there's something really significant that's happened recently because, look, I was at CNN less than 10 years ago. I was there in 2013, and there were valid criticisms of CNN at the time. But it, it, 
clearly something major, major happened in the last five to seven years. And I lay out five big problems in the book. Um, I really go into in depth, into detail, case studies, talk to more than two dozen people on the record, including people in the media, places like New York Times, places like MSNBC, Washington Post and Fox News and other outlets and try to understand what what went wrong here. And I think there's there's several factors, certainly social media, the rise of social media, the way it can make people into influencers can all all the feedback mechanisms are, are all warped and 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 also the Trump phenomenon and getting that so wrong in November 2016 could have been this great moment. Oh, what did we get wrong? Let's be introspective. Instead, the pendulum swung the complete opposite direction and almost turned against half the country rather than bringing them into the fold and trying to understand it and make their own news organizations better. So. One of the reasons why I think you you're so good at this stuff, you have a life or you had a life away from media, right? Yeah. I mean, tell us a little bit about uh, where'd you go to college? First of all, I went to Syracuse. I was one of those uh, journalism majors back in the back in the day. Um, but uh, I, I certainly don't think you need a journalism degree to be a journalist. In fact, I don't think you need a degree at all. Um, but but yes, I went to Syracuse. I was an East Coaster, you know, in New York, uh, worked in, in New York, grew up in New Jersey. And you had a position uh, away from media. What did you do? I worked for, well, after The Blaze, uh, I spent some time at a marketing agency. I worked in social media. Um, I've done a lot on kind of the, the, the behind the scenes, digital content space. Um, and, uh, and then, you know, before that, though, when I was a journalist, I, was a, I, was, I wrote about the TV industry. And I always kind of kept an eye on what was going on. But certainly for, during the, essentially during the Trump years, until about 2019, I was just on the outside. You know, I was living in Dallas. I live in Dallas now. Um, I, I'm a consumer of the media. I was a, a fan at one, one time of a lot of the media, but it just pained me to see the direction it went. And, and I tried to understand what, what happened here, what went wrong. So one thing that uh, I noticed, because I went in late in life, I was in the Marines and then I went right. into the media, how incurious, I think that's the word, incurious people in the media uh, can be. They're just out to show you what they know. Right. It's it, and, and they're just... Like Maggie Haberman, I think, epitomizes this. It's not – she doesn't look at the world with wonder and awe. She just wants to kind of show everybody how much she knows. And quite frankly, she doesn't know that much. <laughs> do, do you notice – is my observation uh, rings true? Oh, I, I think there's there's a ton of incuriosity in the media. And it's really unfortunate because in theory, journalists should be the most curious people. Uh, I, I've, I, I think journalists should be nosy. You know, I, I, I say that no, – and nosy is a, a negative term, right? Curious is kind of the positive spin – nosy but journalists should be almost disliked especially by people in power you, you you should be a thorn in the side you know that little gnat that's always annoying people that you should be nosy and, and curious about everything instead you're right i i, I think that there's in some cases I, I lay out in the first chapter of the book the hunter biden laptop story which you know and i go into in in depth in the way that kind of you only can in a book but that's one side of it that's the conspiracy side everyone working together collusion but there's so many other mistakes there's so many other problems that are just Chalk it up to incompetence or just, yep, laziness or incuriosity. So much of that is is a part of the press these days, and it's really it, it really harms the audience. All right, now we've heard the phrase uh, "truth to power" and you know holding them accountable, yeah. which has always kind of rubbed me the wrong way. And what you say is, I totally agree with you. Got to be a thorn in the side, curious, all that stuff. But what makes a person who calls himself a journalist? any better than anyone else, including those they cover. You know, I feel like there's this moral superiority and quite frankly, stelter 
Brian Stelter really epitomized this. And I, 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 I like Brian, but he was like, oh, journalists, they're a journalist. They're a journalist, as if that was some sort of sacred role. And I, I don't see it that way. And I don't know where they get off thinking they're better than everybody else. And I think they think they're better than everybody else. A hundred percent. And I, I think it's a symptom really of that kind of coziness with power. The fact that so many journalists are in New York and D.C. only don't have that any real world experience outside of it. Don't really interact with anyone outside of their bubble. Inevitably, they are working their way towards power. I, I, my newsletter is called Fourth Watch because it's, it's related to the fourth estate. And the way the fourth estate is supposed to work is there's the people. That's on one side. And then there is the nobility and there's the government. And the fourth estate is the, the connection from, for the people to the, 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 uh, the people in power, right? It should be that, that conduit when working properly. Instead, the fourth estate in America, especially today, especially with social media, is closer and closer to power and is more and more interested in accruing power when they really should be much closer to the people. You know, I have this book in my hands. And, you know, I got to tell you what a treat it is to – Step into a book. If you haven't done it in a while, it's a real treat. I got it to, to turn off a screen. Have you ever read a book and actually seen the movie? And the book is always better than the movie. Yeah. You know, like Bonfire of the Vanities is a great example. Nobody in the world would ever say that the uh, Planet of the Apes. All right. I read that. Nobody would ever say the movie was better than the book. Actually, Planet of the Apes, they would. Take that, take that one out. But you know what I mean. So the name of the book is Uncovered. How the media got cozy with power, abandoned its principles, and lost the people. All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, all right, Don Lemon. Oh, yeah. uh, Don Lemon is um, number one. He's back on the morning show. I didn't. All right, I didn't think what he said was horrendous, and I think you're kind of supposed to say borderline horrendous things anyway when you're on the morning show. You're <laughs> supposed to kind of be provocative a little bit. It's okay. What do you make of all this? I, I think that Don Lemon is one of those individuals at CNN that really represents the old era. You know, then not that long ago, Jeff Zucker ran CNN. This was it's a year ago, basically, even less than a year ago. There's been this this changeover. And who, if you think of who got turned during the Trump years, look, I, Don used to be a guy who I, I call him like an innings eater, you know, with a, like a pitcher where you could just put him on for eight hours and he would just be solid. Uh, that was the way he was before Trump really before Trump was elected. In fact, he did some pretty good interviews with Trump during the primary process. But then something fundamentally shifted for him and so many people at CNN, and they bought their own hype. And now it's very hard for Don to come back from that. And what also happens is one of the things that made Don interesting was that he was surprising. You'd watch him. You wouldn't know what he would say. Well, that, that completely changed during the Trump years also. And I, I would say, I mean, this, this obviously was a surprising thing that he said last week and got you know in trouble for. But I think that's one of the biggest problems in the media beyond CNN, beyond Don. And frankly, one of the things that I think makes you so uh, interesting and important in the media is you never know the direction that a person's going to go. That Someone unique in the space, someone you can turn on and you just you don't know what to expect. That's so valuable. We have so much boring media these days. And Don, I think, in some ways fits into that category. And uh, thank you, by the way. Yeah. Um, how about this, though? It seems to me the most inefficient way to get information would be to sit there and watch CNN, like to know to actually learn things about the world. You can much more efficiently uh, look at your phone. Right. And there's like this. It's all in the air. So in a weird way, like when Don Lemon used to come on at 10 o'clock at night, like this is how I justify it. It's got to be commentary. We all know what the hell happened. And yeah. they've been saying this for a long time, but now it really 
means something. I don't know what the hell they think they know over there at the Time Warner Center or Chelsea Piers or wherever the hell they are, CNN. <laughs> They're in Manhattan. they got big plastic desks, and they think somehow that makes them in the know or makes them all-knowing or makes them important. It doesn't. They're still kind of caught up with the trappings of an industry that has totally changed, but the infrastructure is kind of the same. It, it is, and I wonder if you agree with me on this. I, I think, and I, what I write about in the book is that We've started to see, especially in more recent years, the rise of independent media, podcasts, Substack, Joe Rogan, and now places like CNN, they might not say it, but they're feeling that that panic because they feel like they're losing power and they don't really know what to do with it. But it's it's certainly becoming clear that people are tuning out and finding alternative sources and and the financial model is broken for them. And, and I write about ESPN in the book. I mean, that's another one. It's like ESPN... With their business model was never going to be broken. Well, now all of a sudden they feel it slipping away from them and there's this panic. And then all these bad decisions get made in the void that's created by the panic. Yeah. I um, And you got a lot of reporters who want to make money somehow. Right. So what are they going to do? And they all kind of, by the way, Joe Rogan, <laughs> um, he makes, what is it? A hundred million dollars a year or something crazy like that. I've heard his podcast. It's, he is curious. Talks I, I, I like that, and that is rare, by the way. It's very rare. But um, number one, what do you make of him? I think that Joe represents something that is important. You know, he's been doing that podcast for a very long time. And you're right. The, the best thing you can say about him is that he's curious. He brings on people that he wants to talk to. He has no agenda. I mean, he's not bringing on, like, the most famous people to do their book tour. He's doing only people that he wants to talk to. I mean, I, I open the podcast up sometimes, and I say, oh, he's talking to some psychologist or some scientist on I'm like, okay, this one I'm going to pass on. It, it's a very certain thing, but you're, you're going to have three hour long conversations and with, with, with no plan. It's a, it's a different sort of medium. It's almost the polar opposite of Twitter. Uh, it's almost the polar opposite of cable news. It's just talking and listening and responding and just seeing where it goes. And there's, a, there's a real value to it. So, I mean, right now, everybody's kind of banging their head against the wall. The, I, I don't see much, uh, innovation in yeah. the media these days. Yeah, we have all these platforms and we have them. Uh, they're still doing it the same old fashioned way at Fox, CNN. Um, they're, they're doing the same thing or am I missing something? Are, is, who's out there innovating right now? That's a great question. I, I think that a lot of, the, a, a lot of these networks, I mean, CNN plus completely failed. Fox Nation's doing better. Streaming is clearly, I, I think, where this is going to go, right? Where can you consume the brand but not have to have an actual television that you're watching? So I do think that they're, they're trying to ebb in that direction. But I, I look at places like Substack as a, as a more interesting model. This is, you can build it around an individual. You can build it around a group of people. You can pay a specific amount, a small amount, $5 a month, something like that, and you can get content that's directly made almost for you. And that's interesting. Now, there's downsides to that also because you don't have a legal department. You can't do the big reporting that it takes. And so if we can get to a place where the independent media and the corporate media can can work together in a way that keeps them separated, but also they can be it can be mutually beneficial – that's, I think, where this is going. It feels like we're at the early stages of that. So you are uh, you live in Dallas, Texas? Yes. You're married? Married. How many kids? Two kids, six and one. And you got a lot of projects in the air. Uh, how did you write the book? What was your, um, you know, what was your method? What did you win? The morning, night? How'd you do it? I, I, a lot of nights. I, I'm, a, I'm a, definitely a night person for it. Uh, I So I did 26 interviews for the book, uh, recorded them all, um, some of which you can hear in the audio book. 
And I did I, I, the way my my writing process generally is. I, I just do a lot of planning. I've got everything all kind of laid out, and then I really sat down and I, I wrote it over the course of maybe a week or so. Um, and obviously, then went back and edited. a week uh, about around that. But to, you're right. The the outlining took a long time. The outline took months. Uh, yes, and, and but when I actually sat down, I had everything sort of laid out, and I went and wrote it. And uh, and I, I will say also, you know, I do a lot of writing columns or newsletters. Those are things you, you hit publish, and all of a sudden it's out in the world. This is something you know. I, I essentially had to stop writing in July of last year, and and all of these stories. I mean, it's great that we've got this Hunter Biden, uh, you know, congressional hearings that are happening now because that's in the book. But it's like all these new things are still happening, especially with the media world that's changing twenty four seven. You know, uh, I personally kind of it bothers me a lot that the January sixth, not January sixth, who Speaker McCarthy has given this stuff to Tucker. I know, just yeah. to Tucker. Now I like Tucker a lot, but that is public domain. Hey. How far are you from Dealey Plaza in Dallas? Pretty close, about 15 minutes. So I'm kind of obsessed with the Kennedy assassination. Sure, yeah. This is one of the reasons why they should release it, because I think uh, non-journalists, non-experts, non-government people know more than – I kind of want to play this for everybody. So if you don't mind, like uh, Kennedy was shot by Oswald, right? Nobody believes that. Or maybe he was one of many gunmen. Guess the Warren Commission said it was just Oswald. Right. In 1978-79, there was the Subcommittee on Assassinations, and they concluded that it was a conspiracy. They found that a fourth gunshot was fired. And shortly after they put their report out, they released the audio to the world. And they put it on a record, Gallery Magazine, which was a nudie magazine. I'm not kidding. And some guy in Ohio picks up the magazine, and he puts it on his turntable, and he listens and this guy in Ohio hears something that nobody else heard, nobody else in the world. And he proved that the committee was totally wrong. Wow. And uh, I think we have that. Oh, God. Uh, here we go. And guess who's narrating this? You'll hear the, the voice of the guy, but Walter Cronkite is actually narrating the documentary. Yeah. Check this out. Cut 35, please. Cut 35. In 1979, Gallery Magazine put out this special issue on the assassination of President Kennedy. And in it included a paper record of the recorded gunshot evidence. And if you overlook the narration, you can, you know, pretty much hear what they're talking about. Well, anyway, I just played this thing to death, just trying to hear, you know, the gunshots and hear for myself what they really said was 95% evidence of a conspiracy. I found that when Sheriff Decker is speaking, his voice is coming through the open microphone during the sound impulses that the acoustic experts said were gunshots. But he didn't make his statement until a minute and a half after the assassination had already occurred. So those cannot be gunshots simply because of that. You know In 1982, the National Academy of Sciences confirmed the crosstalk Steve Barber discovered and thus concluded the acoustic evidence of a fourth shot coming from the grassy knoll was invalid. I just love that. Isn't wow. that amazing? It's it, it, how much has has changed really. I, I look I, I write in a, a lot in the book about this anti-speech activism that's gone on. I saw it with COVID. I give up lots of examples that really in depth in the book about it, that it's not just about putting things out there and 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 the media allowing for this free flow of ideas. Now it's we can't let you 
hear this point of view in case you might interpret it in a way that we feel is dangerous. I mean, that's really concerning. I, I think about this with what just happened with these things that we shot down, which apparently we're never going to find. I mean, I, I, the, the reporting from Alaska, that one in particular, was it definitely was not a balloon, did not pop was a metal object that that fell to the ground. Oh, we can't find it. Okay, moving on. You know, that's but I think that it comes from a distrust of the public. And and another reason we're not getting the JFK uh, details every year, they just keep pushing and pushing. Uh, the same thing with the January 6th footage. I mean, you know, we need more transparency. The public would trust the media a lot more. They would trust the people in power a lot more if they just if those people trusted the public a lot more. Yeah, and the public has gotten a hell of a lot smarter. Yes. Everybody, but the information's everywhere. Well, this book is available wherever books are sold, and I highly recommend it. Uncovered, How the Media Got Cozy with Power, Abandoned Its Principles, and Lost the People by Steve Krakauer. K-R-A-K-A-U-E-R. Krakauer. Uncovered. Check it out. And Steve, thanks very much. Greg, thank you. And we'll be right back. Handling legal matters is stressful. So let the law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. provide you with the insightful counsel you deserve. The law offices of Frank Bruno Jr. has successfully handled thousands of cases for 25 plus years. They focus on elder law and estate planning, but are equipped to navigate you through all stages of family law and divorce to real estate law and probate. The law offices of Frank Bruno. Call 718-418-5000 or visit them at frankbrunolaw.com. That's frankbrunolaw.com. Frank Bruno. Bruno. He's your numero uno. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. You know what we found in the house? A mouse. Oh, my goodness gracious. Yeah, I only uh, we found a mouse in the house and um, life is uh, very uneasy right now. But uh, the super is on it and uh Says he's going to take care of it. Uh, but that is, uh, gee whiz, you know, and you think, what's the difference between a mouse and a rat? Because a rat would be terrifying. And I, I looked it up, and there is a vast difference, and the mice are, are much friendlier and less menacing and all that stuff. Hey, wait a second. Uh, we have a phone call from Nova Scotia. Uh, it's an amazing part of Canada. I've been to Nova Scotia. Is Beth on the phone? Can we go to Beth, please? Yes, I am. Hello. Hi there. Uh Nova Scotia, Canada, right? That's right. Are you close to the city of Halifax? Uh, yeah, I, I was born there, basically. <laughs> That's where I first uh, went. I'm living out in the county now on a on a farm. Wow. Um, well, thanks for listening. What's up? Okay, so um, basically at night I can pick up American Station, say, so I can... Uh, like the Mark Levin, <laughs> he's hard to take, but... Uh, what do you mean he's uh, hard to take? He's the best, but okay, you can have your opinion. <laughs> what, what's up? Well, uh, his uh, format uh, is kind of uh, disturbing. But anyway, uh, the thing is, is that um, uh, being from Canada and uh, understanding the current affairs right now with... Uh, All right, so what's up, ma'am? Okay, with with the uh, the the massacre at uh, at the uh, Michigan State University, uh-huh. um, I heard uh, I heard the surgeon come on the radio and he he burst into crying, saying that they've never in their life had to take care of so many wounded uh, young uh, men from the university. Eh? That he was devastated. Okay, and and what I think uh, basically is that. Anything that is that uh, 
with uh, with you with your president, the uh, uh, presiding president of the United States, yeah. presiding. Uh, that's his job to preside. Listen, over. I'm intrigued by what you have to say because you're from Canada, but I got to put you on hold. I'm going to come back to you if you want to stick around. It's uh, not long distance the way it used to be. All right, we'll talk in a moment. Thank you. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Hey, this is some good news. Uh, it's not big here, but uh, they're one of those woke, crazy district attorneys just got fired. Uh, the one in St. Louis fired by the uh, Missouri Attorney General. They have that power in Missouri, at least. Uh, she's fired and she wasn't prosecuting cases. She was screwing it up left and right. And uh, they fired her. The Attorney General, a guy named Andrew Bailey, gave her an ultimatum. Last night, we are giving Kim Gardner until noon tomorrow to resign. If she refuses, she will face immediate removal proceedings in the form of a writ of quo warranto brought by our office. Never heard of one of those. A writ of quo warranto brought by our office. Well, that doesn't actually sound all that bad. A writ, a, 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 a writ of quo warranto, but uh, it probably is really bad. And when you get fired from a job, that's worse than quitting a job. So they gave her the option. Uh, let's see here. As Attorney General, I want to protect the people of St. Louis, and that includes protecting victims of crime and finding justice for them. Instead of protecting victims, uh, Circuit Attorney Gardner is creating them. My office will do everything in its power to restore order and eliminate the chaos in St. Louis caused by Kim Gardner's neglect of her office. Well, good for you, Mr. Attorney General. I've been hearing weird things about her for a long time. Kim Gardner, one of those woke, crazy, uh, restorative justice, reparative justice. You know, we won't prosecute the case. We'll have the victim of the crime sit down with the uh, perpetrator, and they'll try to talk about past injustices and, and find a way forward. They actually are preaching this stuff, not only in St. Louis, here in New York City, here in New York City. Hey, here's a thing. Who heard about that dog in the park in Prospect Park, Brooklyn? Some lady is going for a walk with her beautiful dog, and a maniac approaches them with a stick and hits the dog right in the snout with the stick. And then he runs away, and the dog is forever altered. Well, she calls the cops, and then she puts flyers out all over the place. You know, this guy is wanted. Be careful. Guess what? The neighborhood turns on her. The neighborhood, even the New York Times, there's like she's a, a Karen for worrying about her dog. And this man, nobody knows what he's been through. He why is he in the park? We need to, uh, we need to take care of his needs and just this crazy, crazy. Well, how did we get so crazy? How did that happen all the time? Uh, just, just it just happened like that. Uh, way too fast. How did it happen? That a woman can be shot and killed on television, unarmed, no threat to anybody, and the entire country says, we don't care. It happened to Ashley Babbitt and the entire country, well, with very, with some important exceptions, you, me, uh, a handful of people out there, and it's incredible you know, I, I'm going to go back to this speaker. What's his name again? McCarthy. Speaker McCarthy. He thinks that the officer was just doing his job, right? The 
What about that guy who murdered Ashley Babbitt? Cut 33. Cut 33. One of the first things Marjorie Kelly Green said from the oversight diets was that Ashley Babbitt was murdered. Mm-hmm. Do you think Ashley Babbitt was murdered? Or do you think the police officer who shot her was doing his job? I think the police officer did his job. The police officer did his job. My, are you crazy? What the hell has this place come to, right? Speaker McCarthy, he has the power now. He could fire that cop. He could also fire Harry Dunn. But because of identity politics, and I think to a large degree, Speaker McCarthy is afraid of his own shadow, he won't. He won't. There's a crazy, weird uh, way to do things right now. So much of it is unspoken, but you got to understand who's vulnerable, who's a lucrative target, who can you go after, who not to go after, right? And it's all polluted by this ludicrous conversation about race. Um, you can't, we can't have justice for Ashley Babbitt. Here she is getting shot. Cut 34. You hear that? It's incredible. Now, what you couldn't see, you heard a lot of noise at first. But guess what? The scene was actually peaceful in its own way. That was right outside the House of Representatives. There's a bunch of doors leading to the main hallway outside the House chamber. And there are three cops standing there. And even though it's kind of raucous, there's no pushing and shoving and everything is kind of okay. It's under control. And then those three cops decide to take a coffee break. They just walk off one after the next. And then all hell breaks loose. And then they start pounding on the doors, breaking the glass. It's incredible. And then the cops, I notice, start to duck because they see the gun. But they do nothing to stop Ashley Babbitt. If she is such a threat, why didn't they do that? Um. I think they just wanted to kill somebody, actually. I think they wanted to kill somebody so they could say it was a deadly insurrection. Number one, it wasn't an insurrection. And the only person who was killed was Ashley Babbitt. But they don't want they, – they say deadly, and then they can, they can talk about people not killed on January 6th, people who died of natural causes. They want to confuse us, confuse the people. It's incredible. Uh, all right, Beth, you are uh, our friend from Nova Scotia. I hope you're a friend. I don't like what you said about Mark Levin. He's one of the greatest broadcasters in the world. So you're on probation right now. Be nice. Beth. I like John uh, John Batchelor because he he uh, interviews uh, top experts on subjects. Eh, that's that's what's good right, about hey, that guy. Eh? But, but, but uh, besides all that, eh? Listen, are you really? Uh, do you guys really talk like that with the A ever? A? A? Did I say A? Yeah. All right. I'm All right. unaware so. of it completely. Um, but uh, the thing is, A, is that, um, uh, like, uh, my husband, my ex-husband was uh, an attorney in the United States. He graduated in 79 from Washington State Law School, and along with uh, his whole uh, graduating class A in '79. Madam, I, madam, I, I madam, madam, I, you got to get to the point. I'm sorry, you got to tell me what why you called me. Just say it. 
Forget about the back. I didn't. I need no background information. Just say. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, it, about law, like you were, you were very excited about uh, the fact that the, the attorney general fired that woman. All right. Who, yes, I, that, I said that a moment ago. For, pretend that didn't happen. You call to tell me something. What is it? Yeah, I'm calling to to tell you that. Um, with the with the Michigan State uh, thing that happened, and God we trust, uh, like America always seems to be led with with a, a warning, eh? After something <sighs> like like with um, with uh, the the president over. over All right. right, All right. Now. Well, hey, it's a fascinating Beth. I got you. I think. Uh, I'm giving you one more chance. You got to tell me why the hell you called. All right, I like you, but come on, what, what, so what? The surgeons over in Ukraine. Think of how much suffering they've gone through to try to, to try to heal and fix and operate on all those people. Oh, that's okay? right. You're mad at the doctor the other day at the college who said he's never seen anything like this, right? And you're telling, no, you're saying he should toughen up and think about. You know, I, I'm sorry, but that's like uh, you know when we're growing up, and they're always saying the 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 phrase was, "Well, think about all the poor people in China. Eat your eat your vegetables, right? That's what they said. That's what they said when we were kids. Uh, is that is that your point? No, no, that's not that's not it. The the thing is, is that. Um, uh, with the Michigan State thing, that should have been a warning for the president to say, look, let's not put any more equipment over there. Let's not arm Ukraine. They lost their sovereignty by being armed by uh, other countries, including Canada. We want our pr- prime minister to step down for putting weapon systems in Ukraine. Yeah. Have you and ever that- met that guy, Justin Trudeau? What a weirdo. Well, we're hoping that he gets fired because... uh, He's terrible. He's terrible. All right. Thank you. I understand. Michigan State, uh, no more. Look, I've had it to hear with uh, the money and the weapons, and there's no end in sight. And we are depleting. We are depleting our own military. It's crazy. Beth, uh, thank you for that very, very much. Who remembers Gabriel Sterling? Uh, Gabriel Sterling, get this. He is the deputy executive assistant to the Georgia Secretary of State, right? One more time. The Deputy Executive Assistant to the Georgia Secretary of State, who will come and speak at your corporate event for $20,000. Now, for a million dollars, I couldn't tell you right now who the New York Secretary of State is. Could you? How about his Executive Assistant? Can you imagine hiring that guy to come to your corporate event or picnic and speak for $20,000? Well, here's why he got it, all right? Because he was a hysterical madman working for the left after the election. Cut 29, please. I'm going to do my best to keep it together because it has all gone too far. All of it. My boss, Secretary Raffensperger, his address is out there. They have people doing caravans in their house. They've had people come onto their property. Trisha, his wife of 40 years, is getting sexualized threats through her cell phone. It has to stop. No, actually, we don't care. All right? That's the price. That's the cost sometimes of public service. Weirdos call you up. It's happened to me a million times. All right? It's no bi- if you can't hack it, don't run for statewide office. 
This guy was saying because uh, Mrs. Raffensperger got a weird text message that we should just call it all off. No more investigation into the uh, potentially, I'm almost certain, fraudulent Georgia election. Just call it all off, right? Call it all off and criminalize those who have genuine concerns about what happened. Here's Donald Trump. You think this is a crime? It's not. This is his job. This is what he's supposed to do. Cut 26. And you're going to find that they are, which is totally illegal. It's, it's, it's more illegal for you than it is for them because you know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a, you know, that's a criminal, that's a criminal offense. And, and, you know, you can't let that happen. That's, that's a big risk to you and to Ryan. Your lawyer, that's a big risk. But they are shredding ballots, in my opinion, based on what I've heard. And they are removing machinery, uh, and they're moving it as fast as they can, both of which are criminal fines, and you can't let it happen. And you are letting it happen. You know, I mean, I'm notifying you that you're letting it happen. And they try to say that that's a threat. He was threatening these people. If he, if he suspects that something's going on, and it's their responsibility. That's not a threat. And if you're running for dog catcher and if you think the election was uh, was rigged or some funny stuff is going on, you are allowed to call the election officials and vent and accuse and say all kinds of things. You are. You are totally and completely allowed. And those are valid, valid concerns that he had. All right, real quick. Larry in Brooklyn. Yeah, hi. You know, I, I took issue with the fact that you mitigated um, what Don Lemon said. You said it wasn't that bad. I don't think you really understand the uh, import of it. You oh, see? my gosh. Oh, let's talk about it. He said it two weeks ago. He said it two. Somebody said something on television. The, America has become this silly country, all right, where it's just about what you say. So tell me why I should be so offended again. Okay, let me let me articulate it, okay? It's because... Basically, what he was doing is he was he was he was um, unleashing his uh, his proclivities for gay misogyny. Everybody's just saying misogyny, but it's more than that. It's gay misogyny. Oh my goodness gracious! Oh yeah 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 yeah. Listen, uh, people say stuff. People sometimes get offended. Now we've not only have we weaponized getting offended, we've industrialized it. All right, it's an industry. And then they can write 10,000 articles about it. And then there can be a website and there can be all this stuff. And then there gives us crap to talk about on these. I, 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 you say it's gay misogyny. Well, you could also say that, uh, look, I can't even remember what the hell he said at this point, Larry, to be honest. Haley is not in her prime at 51. He was referring uh, subtly to sexual prime of a woman. But he was relying on Google. I think he may also have been implying that uh, as far as having children, generally speaking, in your 50s, uh, that's out of the question. Not always, but sometimes. Could have been something along those lines, too, Larry? Perhaps, but he, he was also anointing Google. All right, who cares, Bible. Larry? Larry, do you even watch this damn show? Do you even watch it? Somebody came and you got to you had to look at this clip online and uh, I just and what if he said all that? St- I don't know. I don't know, man. We become 
I mean, listen to what we listen to what we did all morning on all the cable shows. Would you rather listen to Don Lemon or would you like to listen to this? Cut 40, please. Cut 40. And when you got down to the kennels, what was happening? Uh, it's just what I thought it was. Um, it, it was a little bit of chaos. I mean, it was clear to me that uh, Max had just let the dogs out. The dogs? Um, this was on every cable channel. Dogs. For hours, today, today. Uh, I don't know. Don Lemon can, I, I, I just, all right. Larry, I, I can't help you. Thank you, though. I'll be back. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Kind of feels like Friday for some reason, right? Doesn't it feel like Friday? Isn't it funny? Whenever I ask that, people kind of generally agree. Like, it's a short week or it feels like month. I, I just... But it feels like Friday. Uh, I don't know why that is. And, uh, hey, one other thing. That guy, Larry, who called uh, defending, I can't remember what his position was, but something with Don Lemon. What set off Don Lemon? Uh, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley. Uh, this is her proposal. I do not like Nikki Haley, by the way. No, sir. No, ma'am. Not her. Uh, way too ambitious, over-the-top ambitious. Her, 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 her. And, um, and, and, and skews the truth. But this is the big idea that got everybody excited. Cut 37. We'll have term limits for Congress. No, not that one. The next one. Here we go. No, no, it's good. Get, oh, shoot. No, 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 no. Is it time already? Yikes. All right. Look, that's the, where she said she wants cognitive tests for anybody over 75 if they're president of the United States. You know that's against the Constitution. you got to be 35 and born in America. That's it. Give me a moment. Your call soon. Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. How much damage they have done to our country. My God, the media and the corrosive effect it's had on major uh, institutions, uh, ordinary people across the board. Um, The media part malevolent and sinister and gullible. And then they've gone around convincing everybody else of uh, information that is flat out wrong. And this Georgia indictment thing that could be coming down. Number one, you saw that crazy kook, uh, Emily Coors. I played her on the uh, show last night. This, I mean, hysterical, silly person. You know, it's one thing for Robert Mueller to try to throw Donald Trump in jail. All right. You got to have a big heavyweight to try to do that. Right. Robert Mueller. Uh, ex-FBI director, uh, ex-Marine. And then you have Emily Coors. This is uh, the four-person of the grand jury. Uh, cut 24. And so we're talking about multiple people. Yes. How long, how many people? people? Was this a long list? It's not a short list. So we're talking about more than a dozen people? I would say that. Yes. Okay. Why do you want to speak out publicly? Because this was a really cool experience. I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. 
And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in, I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Did the grand jury recommend an indictment of former President Trump? I'm not going to speak on exact indictments. <laughs> All right. You know what, though? Uh, as kooky as she is, she's not unique. And she's not a lawyer. She's the grand jury foreperson. But she might as well be a lawyer. She might as well be an investigator in Robert Mueller's office or in the Manhattan DA's office or in the Southern District uh, U.S. Attorney's office or in the Department of Justice in Washington, D.C. That's how they talk and that's how they think. And they do think it would be really something special to have the president of the United States to depose the president of the United States. Can you imagine what that might, might, must feel like? Imagine that to have him sitting there and I get to ask the questions of this president that I thoroughly despise. Right. You see how they would get off on that. And what where does all this stem from? The perfectly legal phone call. You're allowed to speak in America, even if you're the president of the United States, you still have rights. And if you think that Georgia election was messed with, which it was, you're allowed to call up the guy in charge of it, Raffensberger, who calls himself Mr. Integrity now, he's not, and complain. Cut 25. Mr. President, the problem uh, you have with social media, they can... Uh, No, this isn't social media. This is Trump media. It's not social media. It's 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 really not. It's not social media. I don't care about social. But I couldn't care less. Social is big tech. Big tech is on your side. You know. I don't even know why you have a side because you should want to have an accurate election. And you're a Republican. But we do have an accurate election. No, I no you don't. No, no you don't. You don't have. You don't have. Not even close. You got. You're off by hundreds of thousands of votes. And just on the small numbers, you're off on these numbers. And uh, these numbers can't be just. Well, why won't? Okay. I I don't see the problem. Uh, by the way, doesn't Raffensperger sound like a real one? Oh, we, we think we have the right numbers. And now he thinks he's going around saying, I feel threatened by that phone call. And they're trying to criminalize all that stuff that Trump said. That's where all this is out of. Now they're trying to get people to say things about the phone call, to get them to lie about the phone call, to bring them in, make them feel in trouble about the phone call, and hopefully get them to uh, say something that contradicts something about the circumstances relating to that phone call. And then, aha, perjury. We got them on perjury, a perjury trap. This is our system. And the gullible media and the sinister media, they repeat it, they augment it, And it's out there. It scares a lot of people from having anything to do with Trump. And then you add in the January 6th stuff. And then you've got the uh, the top law firms in the country. Basically, they will have nothing to do with Trump. They'll have nothing to do with people who associate with Trump. Hey, I feel this in my own life. I have lost. Who have I lost? I've lost an accountant. I've lost a lawyer. I've lost uh, friends. You know, regarding the accountant, and it was two accountants ago. I said, so what is the deal? Seriously. Because he wasn't calling me back and he was kind of you know, like, like, he says, well, I can't do business with an insurrectionist. I'm like, <laughs> I, all right. And I said, all right, so do me a favor. Tell me everything you know about January 6th. He says, oh, uh, uh, well, it was an attempt to overthrow the election. Oh, really? How? How? To, uh, uh, before you, let me ask you this, Charlie. 
Uh, tell me anything you know about the Electoral Count Act of 1887. Big pause. And then he's like, well, the Electoral Count Act says that insurrect. And then he just hung up the phone. <laughs> All right, Charlie, I love you, but I don't like you, and you weren't that hot in the accountant anyway. So that's that's what happens, and it's happening on a much bigger scale. And lo- there are lawyers out there who know better, who should be coming together and speaking out about this cr- horrendous injustice. The weaponization of the Department of Justice, the harassment of good people. And it doesn't even matter if they're good people or not. They're people. They're citizens. They have rights. Rudy Giuliani is a hero, and he's going to go down as such. It's amazing. You can look back at his record. You can look back at everything. You know, he's had some ups and downs, right? Who hasn't? Uh, but the only thing, because they're now they're doing documentaries. Oh, the decline of Rudy, the the fall of Rudy Giuliani. It's just because he decided to defend Trump. That's it. He really hasn't been accused of anything, of, of of substance, nothing. What did he do? He got carried away at a speech once. It's his freedom of speech. Trial by combat. Well, whatever that means, you don't throw somebody in jail. You don't say we're never ever having anything to do with you again. What about <laughs> just where are those people? Why aren't they coming to the defense of society? Madeline in Long Island. Hello. Hi, Greg. Um, I tuned in 10 minutes too late. I thought you were doing a documentary on Frank Perdue, but then I did see where you were going. I think it was a distraction. They don't want to show Trump being a hero and then failing to show up or being a Johnny come lately. Regarding Don Lemon, I am your age, so I am a woman past my prime, and I have no problem with that. I'm more concerned that, from what I understand, one of the co-hosts walked off the stage. Like, this is why people can't articulate an argument, because they get offended, and that's enough. They don't have to push back and say, or even be curious and say, maybe you didn't mean it this way. What did you mean? They just get upset, and then that's it. So it's really no surprise that your attorney is even like that. He's getting rid of business, and he can't even articulate what an insurrection is. So that's all I have to say. No, you're right, and uh, you don't even have to uh, – wait, what is the word you use? They get offended. Even if, Oh, here's the other word, uncomfortable. His comments made me uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable with that. That's another buzzword that can get you uh, a lot of things, especially if you're a woman, especially if you're a woman of color. I'm uncomfortable. If you want to be comfortable, stay in bed all day, okay? This is life. You're going to get cold. You're going to get uncomfortable. You're going to get offended. Quite frankly, that's the spice of life a little bit. Right, Madeline? you got to mix it up. I saw this 10, 12 years ago in my own life, and you can see what's happening. First someone gets offended, then it's threatening. Right? You know, parents of the school board are threatening. You start watering down all these words, and then it's violence. That was not really the case 10 years ago, and this is where they're headed. So everybody can not only be offended, they can feel threatened, and then it's violence, and then we do what we do with someone who's violent, I guess. Well, thank you, Madeline. Madeline, by the way, the name of my daughter. We have my youngest daughter. Younger daughter is Madeline. Thank you, Madeline. Let me try one more. We got Lynn in Manhattan Island. Hi there. I thought I'd uh, recommend a JFK book for you. What? Well, it's called... Operation Dragon by R. James Woolsey, who is CIA director. Oh, yeah. Bush, and uh, co-authored with this guy, 
who Jimmy of Brooklyn would probably like a lot, Ian Mahai Pachepa. All right, so what does he say in the book? It was a lone operation, but it was Soviet. You know, it was Khrushchev, basically, that uh, uh, Oswald on his track. And then it, there was a kind of a cover-up, in a sense, because the deep states got together. You know, All right, Soviet James op- Woolsey wrote a book about the, the JFK assassination. I will read it. It's It's called Dragon What? Operation Dragon. Operation Dragon. I do also have to recommend Case Closed by Gerald Posner. He's the one who says uh, that Oswald did it by himself. It's compelling. You don't have to agree with everything in the book, but it's a very compelling read. And uh, there's a lot in there that I agree with. All right. Oh, oh, I'm so sorry. Uh, Oh, my two favorites. All right. Barbara first. Barbara. Hi, Greg. I'm I'm listening to everything on the show here, and and I'm just thinking that the Constitution gives us the right to free speech. It does not guarantee the right to never be offended or made uncomfortable. That is not in the Constitution. So, you know, and George Washington said, truth will ultimately prevail where there are pains taken to bring it to light. And you're talking about so many things uh, with that, the truth about Trump, the truth about Mayor Giuliani, and also the truth that comes from hearing many voices on each side of any issue, such as hearing Newsmax, instead of having them removed from all these homes by direct TV. I love it. Wait, George Washington, I love that. The truth will come out, but you have to take pains to bring it out. Where did he say that? What's that all about? What's the context? Okay, the truth will ultimately prevail where there are pains taken to bring it to light. He was talking about freedom of speech and how important that is. And he said, without freedom of speech, we will be led dumb and silent like lambs to the slaughter. Gosh, we were so lucky to have these brainiacs around, these brave brainiacs like George Washington, um, Adams, Jefferson, the whole crew, founding fathers. It is, it is divine. It's got to be divine, right? I mean, that kind of brain power in one room, in one country, it's just crazy when you think about it, right, Barbara? There are many people who think that divine providence had a huge hand in the founding of America. And if you look at our founding fathers and you look at their intelligence, their education, their patriotism, their love of liberty, their love of their families, and their concern for posterity. Never has such a group of men and women been assembled in this world since then. I mean, what they did for mankind was incredible. Just by acknowledging that these rights that we have come from God, that everyone has them, and that they are the basis for so many of our liberties. Oh, beautiful. Hey, what? I was going to say, and those like your accountant, perhaps, who are censoring themselves, he can't be involved with you because it might rub off on him. I often hear people censoring themselves. They won't wear a cross because someone will not take it well. They won't put a bumper sticker on their car. Well, an attorney friend of mine made the comment. She said, when we censor ourselves, we place the strongest shackles on our liberties. And that's what many in these in this country have been working for for years to convince us to be afraid 
and therefore to censor ourselves, not speak the truth, not look for the truth, and not share the truth. Mm, that's probably the worst censorship of them all, censoring censoring ourselves, censoring ourselves. Well, uh, hey, you know what JFK said about uh, the Founding Fathers? You know, one day in the, in the White House, he had all the Nobel laureates and great scientists of the time. There were like a hundred of them. The brightest people in the in the world were all at the White House. And he said, we haven't had this kind of brain power at the White House with you 100 people since uh, Thomas Jefferson was here by himself. I just, <laughs> Thomas Jefferson was that smart, that incredible. My God, you look at his words, and he was an architect, and he spoke French in a bunch of other languages. So incredible. All right, Barbara, you're always inspiring. I'm going to look up that quote. I'm probably going to use it tonight. And if you don't mind, before we go to break, Sandra, hello. Hello, Greg. Um, You know, I was thinking about Tulsi Gabbard. I believe she was in Ohio the same day as Donald Trump. So my wishful thinking, and I know you wish it too, wouldn't they be a great team together? I was hoping about that. Then I couldn't get over Pete Buttigieg. He's pathetic. He's rude. He's callous. He's uncaring. How dare he say this is my personal time? He, like, proudly ignores his job. And when I think about Donald Trump, he makes every job seem so important. Look how Buttigieg ran the next day, intimidated, whatever. All of a sudden, now that job seems so important, so he's there. Trump has a way of doing that with everything that he touches. And and then I looked up the uh, previous um Secretary of uh, Transportation, Elaine Kao. He was, um, tr- she was a Trump pick. She had an MBA from Harvard as well. Well, we don't like, don't uh, we don't like Elaine Chow. She was, uh, she quit after January 6th. She is uh, very suspect in many, many ways. The wife of Mitch McConnell. Did you know that? No. Yep. That's what I didn't know. She's married to Mitch McConnell, Uh and uh, you know how we feel about Mitch. Uh, Hey, Sandra, I'm sorry. I'm up against a break. Good to hear from you, as always. Give me a moment. Thank you. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Man, uh, sorry, if you're a single woman and you live in Manhattan, I think you gotta get the hell out of Manhattan. Um, if you want to meet somebody and get married, I, this is just a terrible place for that. You'd think it would be the opposite. Easy place to meet somebody, easy place to hook up, I guess. But, uh, as far as the other stuff, it's just, uh, very, very hard. I feel my heart goes out to, uh, to the women, especially it's because, uh, the guys can be, well, there are a lot of wolves out there, a lot of dogs. Hey, is he on? Oh, terrific. Rudy Giuliani. Former mayor, the great host. Are you still in Ohio, sir? I am. I just finished a, a very, very interesting tour of the entire site with several experts. So I got much more insight into it than I had had before. 
And they were, they were like these people who can explain things that an amateur like me can understand, you know? Yeah, well, pass it on. You, What's the every deal? Once while, every once in a while you get somebody like that. If they become too technical, they lose you. But I think I have an idea of what happened and, uh, and, and, how, and how bad this can be or not. The, the problem for these people is they're playing, it's like Russian roulette. This, this, could be, um, this could be limited to the damage we've seen so far. Or three years from now, people could be having serious cases of cancer within a 100-mile radius. It's as, it's as, um, as unpredictable as that because of the controlled explosion they had to do. And the experts that I talked to were in favor of the controlled explosion only because an uncontrolled explosion would have been worse. But they said the controlled explosion released into the ground for uh, untold uh, lengths, a tremendous amount of toxins. And uh, they're still trying to figure out which toxins. Well, so they, uh, More or less they propel them. So, so you've, you've got a place 20 miles away. Uh, where in in the spring waters, twenty miles away, all right, they, they can detect uh, 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 s- uh, some of these chemicals. Hey, did you see Pete Buttigieg today? <laughs> I, I couldn't find him. <laughs> I was looking for him in the little crowd, but he just his head was a little too. I'm being I'm being Trump now. Well, he showed up, <laughs> and uh, it's you know he's with all those white construction workers. We know he doesn't like that, so. Uh, Wow, uh, uh, you know, mayor, the, I got to tell you, the mayor, the mayor kept him waiting. I, I met, I met with the mayor before him, and I was supposed to have a half hour meeting. It took an hour and thirty minutes. Meeting in the hallway. And Pete, I think, I, I think he kept Pete waiting. In the hallway. Huh. Uh, in the hallway, I got it. Is that Ted? Hallway. That's oh, Ted man. in the background. Listen, yeah. let me ask you something. You know, I keep thinking about this. What you said the other day, or what we talked about. There should be lawyers stepping forward. I mean, real people of substance and accomplishment stepping forward and defending Trump. And they're not, and or at least defending the process. You could not like Trump, but what's happening in Georgia and elsewhere, the criminal justice system. Yeah, we could go over Georgia sometime. I, you know, I know I represent them in Georgia, and they're after me. I mean, I'm one of the possible defendants there too. I know that was in forwards, and it's a, it's, a, it's a travesty. It's an absolute travesty what they're doing there. They and, don't have a case. And look, and, look, and look at this crazy, this crazy. Uh, if, the girl. My God, if if I had a, a a foreman of a grand jury like that, I'd have to dismiss the grand jury. Yeah, but the thing is, they got the uh, compliant, gullible, and sinister media going along with it. Um, nobody has the bandwidth to really push back. The dominant media sets the agenda, and they've spooked a lot of people. You know, uh, yeah. they want Trump, you, me, well, everybody untouchable. If you're on that side, it's really it's really a tragedy. But we're going to prevail. Hey, Mr. Mayor, you got the show in a moment. I appreciate it so much. I'll be back tomorrow. We can talk. Okay, terrific. Right. Look forward to seeing you. And the Rudy right. Giuliani show is next. And I'll see you tonight on Newsmax. All the best.